All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, so here we go now with the, I guess, the start of the David Eby era. We got his news conference coming up here at the bottom of this hour. So this will be Eby's first news conference as the Premier Designate for BC. Not the Premier yet. Right, So, but he will be next month to be sworn in, likely. Yeah, we expect uh, second week of November. So a lot of city councillors are getting sworn in November 7th. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to compete with that or conflict with that. So maybe the 8th, 9th, or 10th. Certainly it's the break week of the legislature, which is that week. And then I'm told it's um, a transition, full transition, may take a month, which suggests maybe if there is going to be cabinet changes uh, uh, sometime after that, yeah. after the session closes probably at the end of uh, November, then he's got a, there's going to be a bunch of staff changes. Um, so it's going to be a busy month. Okay, and he's got his news conference here at the bottom of the hour, laying out his plan for the first days in office. First 100 days. We'll bring you that live here at the bottom of the hour. Here's EB speaking yesterday. This is not how uh, I think any of us expected this leadership contest to end. It's mixed feelings for me, for sure. Uh, but I really am, uh, am excited about uh, getting to work for British Columbians and delivering for them, and that's why I'm looking forward to laying out uh, my plan for the first 100 days. Okay, talking, of course, about how he didn't think it was go this way with the disqualification now of his only, only opponent, Anjali Potterai. Well, the disqualification, you know, I've talked about this for weeks, that this was expected to end this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't expect any other outcome. That I think there was a foregone conclusion because she was running against the government and against the caucus that she was not going to be allowed to be a candidate. And then they worked, worked backwards from that to find reasons to support that. Um, so again, the political parties can make the rules and then interpret the rules any way they want. We have seen um, gaffes and miscues in previous leaderships that did not disqualify candidates. Christy Clark... Uh, the leadership race there, either her or someone signed up a cat as a member. A yeah. dead person was signed up as a member. Right. Uh, Adrian Dix's leadership race uh, had, you know, $10 bills being stapled to, to the back of membership lists. Uh, so there's all sorts of of errors and miscues in previous campaigns. But the NDP made the decision that this was, wasn't was so much, I think, about signups as it was about a candidate who looked like probably was going to win a leadership and then plunged yeah. the party into a constitutional crisis because you'd have this extraordinary situation of a leader outside of the caucus. Uh, we don't usually have government leadership races. Christy Clark was the last one. The other, it's usually opposition races. Kevin Falk was an opposition race, completely different than government. Yeah. The stakes are so much higher, and there is a constitutional aspect to it that is not in opposition uh, cases, because the, for, the lieutenant governor only talks to the first minister. The first minister is not necessarily the leader of the party. She was disqualified uh, after a party investigation where she was accused of working with an outside organizations on her campaign, notably Dogwood, B.C., which is a, a large environmental lobby group in B.C. And they said that was against the rules. Now, the, the liberals are, are pointing out quite gleefully, well, hang on, what about E.B. and his work with uh, unions like the mm-hmm. Steelworkers Union? The Steelworkers Union were putting out messages to their members hey buy an ndp membership vote for eb even if you disagree with ndp policy even if you don't want to stay as an ndp member long term just just buy this membership and vote for him how is that any different because i think uh, dogwood provided resources and steel workers didn't yeah that's where you look at calls report that's where this turns it's this august 6th meeting where it's actual lending staff and resources and organization skill where steelworkers simply put out a letter, oh, go vote 
you know, go vote for Eby. Rather, if Steelworkers had, had given staff to Eby, then I think he'd be in a lot of trouble. What a mess, though. I mean, is how does self inflicted? Yeah, and how does this impact sort of EB going forward? Like, is this a story that gets forgotten? Well, you know, later. I'd be very surprised if you and I are talking about this next week, later in the uh, week, or the week after. Once the house resumes, uh, sitting again on Monday, this, this will come up from time to time. It's a nice taunting point for the BC Liberals to throw at the yeah. NDP every now and then. But they're going to be talking about street crime. They're going to be talking about affordability. They're going to be talking about issues that resonate with voters. Don't think the public pays a lot of attention to the internal messes that political parties create for themselves. The other thing I was was thinking about was, what was the point of this whole Apaterai saga? I mean, she must have realized that even if she had done this, she had pulled this off and, and won the leadership. The caucus was not going to support her. She didn't no, have any support. Not at all. She would not have become the premier. No. They would not have supported her. So doesn't that make it at the end of the and day? And also her realize that. I mean, was it just a stunt? It, this is almost like, I started thinking, like, is this like, you know, these environmental protesters blocking a road or a bridge? Just an outrageous stunt to draw attention. Yeah, so again, important to remember, even if she won the leadership, none of her policies would have been implemented. Yeah. That's the other thing that, that her supporters don't seem to have realized. Just because you win a leadership race doesn't mean you become the dictator and implement your policies. So her whole thing about banning fracking, banning, banning LNG, that's not going to happen. Increasing nurses' salaries 25, by 25%. Which triggers the Me Too clauses in other unions. To, yeah. Therefore, all, every public sector union would, uh, employee would get a 25% wage increase. That's like a $10 billion hit to the Treasury. And when she was asked where, where was the money come from, she didn't really know. So, no, none of her policies would have seen the light of day, uh, even if she, in the unlikely event of actually winning this thing, and it would have plunged the party into a constitutional crisis where the leader was not would not be part of the caucus, would not be in the legislature, would have no impact on forming confidence in the legislature. Let's listen to John Horgan talking about it yesterday, and this is where Horgan got angry. He was asked about this uh, sign-ups by... You know, forces trying to elect a Potteri as the party well, and leader. And also about them, uh, he says, pressuring and harassing, in his words, the table officers, the 45 table officers, most of whom are women. These are the ones, I mean, who, the people who voted to disqualify voted to disqualify her. her right. getting, he says are getting harassed by these yeah. environmental protesters. And that's where he got a little edgy. Okay, let's listen to what he had to say. Here's Horgan yesterday. They're being inundated by people who say this is, this is by Green Party members saying we want to take over your party. Leave them alone. They're doing their job, volunteers, and they're going to be abused by a bunch of people who cheated and want to get away with it. So I can't be more frustrated by that type of thuggery. Your thuggery, yes. So I talked to Horgan after that thuggery? as well. Thuggery? Is that what it was? That's, thuggery? Well, he says these people harassing the volunteers are being thugs. Now, this goes back, a lot of this goes back to the demonstrations that occurred on John Horgan's front lawn, his own personal home harassing his wife. The police were called. He takes Environmental that. protesters. These are the Ferry Creek protesters, yeah. the environmental protesters, climate action yeah. uh, activists, yeah. many of them Green Party supporters in his eyes. And that's where it gets a little personal with him. And that's when it got personal yesterday, where at the very end of that news conference, he said, I'm, I'm done with this and stormed off. And again, talk to him afterwards. He's st still quite angry at these people for, and this again boils down to why she never had a chance of being leader of this party, because mm -hmm. Horgan is not alone in his feelings for this. So does the cabinet feel that way? Um, so again, this was a this was a hopeless task for her. Okay, let's talk about what's going on across the pond here. The resignation of UK Prime Minister Liz Truss after what forty four days shortest shortest tenure of any British Prime Minister. In hey, but she served under two monarchs. <laughs> That's true. Yes. 
And uh, first person since Winston Churchill to do that. Right. So now we're I have another contest to elect a new British prime minister. And the British bookies, I just saw a Guardian newspaper story this morning that now are installing Boris Johnson as the favorite to win. Okay, would anyone have Rishi predi- Sunak's the other one? Would anyone have predicted a month ago when when Boris Johnson no. resigned that he'd be back a month later? Not at all. No, yeah. it's uh, it's a delicious story, and there's lots of. I mean, the British tabs are in a world that when they put that head of lettuce on the front page and said, "Who's going to last longer, this head of lettuce or Liz Truss?" <laughs> the lettuce is still going. The lettuce, the lettuce lasted longer. Here is okay. Listen to this. This is Will. Walden. He is Boris Johnson's former press secretary, and he's asked here, does he think Johnson will try to come back and win the win the prime minister's office again? Here's what he said. In his mind, he's done nothing wrong. He's been unfairly defenestrated. Whether you think that's true or not, it doesn't matter to Boris. And it's not a case of the national interest. It's a case of Boris's interest. So if he thinks that he has a chance of winning with the members vote next week, you know, then he'll run. OK, so this is former press secretary. Oh, there's, conservatives are going off a cliff very quickly here. If, if Johnson returns, all sorts of chaos is going to result. Do you think he can down. pull it off and win again? Well, it's it's up to the party, the caucus. Um, I think it's possible, but the bookies are notorious in in the UK to being pretty accurate about stuff. I mean, it's a big industry in the UK. It's not just, and so there's literally millions of dollars at stake when they set the odds, uh, and they don't set them lightly. This guy, so, Rishi Sunak, is the other guy. That's the other one, and he seems to, I mean, he wasn't able to beat Liz Truss. He's a billionaire, uh, very articulate, young, 42 years old. Very, but, he's uh, very handsome, too. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the UK tabloids call him Rishi the Dishy. Rishi the Dishy. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and Rishi the Rich. His Rishi wife, the Rich, right, he's very wealthy. His, his wife is the heir to one of India's biggest tech companies, wow. uh, high-tech companies. But uh, it's fascinating. I mean, the ones who are smiling about this right now are the is the Labour Party, because they're just grinning as the Conservatives implode sure. and continue to implode. It's Baldry's Beat. Got open phone lines right now, 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Chris and Langley. Hey, Chris, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, Keith. Yeah, I've said it before, but uh, just going to say it again. The, the thing that uh, this leadership race has proven when they disqualified uh, 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 the lady here. Upon right. Yeah. Upon right. Thank you. Uh, is that they've just basically proven to everybody that they're not the environmentalists that they claim to be when it comes to election time, when they try to woo the, the Green Party vote. So I'm, I'm a Green Party member, and I don't know how many times I've been harassed by NDP supporters saying that basically I'm wasting my vote. If I want anything done for the environment, NDP is the only chance. So this really just proves, and as I've always known, but it'll prove to everybody else that it falls for this, is that they're not what they claim to be. Okay, thank you. Well, they're certainly not what the Green Party wants them to be. Uh, their policies are not as green as the Green Party. There's no question. Yeah. You know? and, and this does weaken the NDP's argument that uh, you know that if you're a Green Party member, come and vote for us. So this is, drives a significant wedge between the two parties, but I don't think it was going to be any, any ways different. I mean, the, the Green Party is the Green Party, the NDP is the NDP. And I think the split that occurred with, with Horgan when he, when he called that early election that tore the rift, that created a rift between the two parties that I don't see healing ever again. But the NDP's made a calculated move here that it doesn't matter. Uh, they've, it goes back to the NDP for years with all these, inter- these internal arguments. People who had sort of these activist policies that had no chance of forming government 
versus people who were more pragmatic and willing to compromise on, on issues and not be on the extreme, uh, they're the ones who form government. And that's the Horgan, uh, Glenn Clark, part of the NDP, who are willing to f- want to form government. They're not interested in being in opposition. And, and if EB was here, he would point to their Clean BC program that they haven't, you know, an ambitious climate change program that was endorsed by Andrew Weaver, the former leader of the BC yep. Green Party. So the Greens voted for the LNG uh, yeah. expansion. So uh, again, though, no love lost between the Greens and the NDP, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Deb in Delta. Hi, Deb. Go ahead. Oh, hi. I was just going to say um, kind of the same thing about the leadership race. Was what a waste of time and money and effort. Um, <clears throat> it's not like they didn't know that she couldn't run or she could. Like it just seems like within the po- uh, party itself, there's just so much. Um, discourse. You know, they don't know what they're doing. You either can run or yep. you can't. Certainly okay. different than the last leadership race with uh, that Adrian Dix emerged the victor of because you had John Horgan running, you had Mike Farnworth running. For a time, you had Harry Lally running. They signed up thousands of people. There was an energy to that race. They had all candidates debates. Um, that didn't happen here. There didn't seem to be any energy on the EB campaign. And the, most of the energy was apodari, but it was sort of outside of the party. So this was, I think they're going to have to revisit their whole leadership race structure. And Speaking I wonder if they're going to go back to um, a U.K. model that only people in the caucus can run. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. Um, I just want to say about the Epaterai situation, uh, you know, first of all, if there's anything, I, like you mentioned, if there's anything to do with harassment and, and uh, people being harassed in the NDP, I don't go for that 100%, even though I'll never vote for the NDP again. Having said that, uh, you, Keith, you said it. The NDP had to work backwards in order to get rid of her. Now, the optics of that for the new, quote, Democratic Party, uh, it does not look good. It does not look good. Yeah, she wasn't going to be the premier, but the whole thing is, is she. It, it, the optics look terrible. Thanks, guys. Well, they again, they created this problem. This is an, a self-inflicted wound. I remember when uh, Horgan announced he was not going to run again, stepping down, a senior liberal um, backroom organizer phoned me and said, the NDP's vulnerable here. To a takeover. To a takeover. Yeah. They've only got 11,000 members. Yeah, 11,000 members. The Liberals got like 60,000 members. And Apadurai has publicly said she may have signed up as many as 14,000 people. Yeah, right. So that dwarfs the existing members. Right, I'm not sure right. how much EB signed up. They've given, they haven't disclosed any of those numbers, but for sure, they were ripe for a takeover. And yeah. I think Dogwood an Initiative smelled this and, and acted upon it. Yeah, let's go to Chris and Chilliwack. Chris, you got 30 seconds here. Hey, guys. So I think this really points to a a dysfunction with all levels of government uh, and leadership and that these leaders need to understand that they represent the constituents and the voters, not the special interests, whether it's Dogwood or whether it's a World Economic Forum or even at a municipal level. Uh, We've just seen a lot of elections lately and all this stuff. But leaders, when they win, become government. Okay, Chris, thanks very much. We got, we got EB's news conference coming yeah, up here. So EB, 30 seconds. What do you anticipate here? I expect nothing dramatically different than what we've seen from the NDP government, but I think he's going to be talking about um, housing uh, is a big thing for him. Healthcare, yeah. we'll see what initiatives he's got there. He's mentioned old growth logging. Maybe he's going to change uh, some of the numbers attached to old growth.